Hey, City Light South, how's it going? Thanks for tuning in to Hayden and David Read the Bible. And uh, this is our podcast where we read the Bible with you guys. Um, You all have been going through the weekly uh, Bible reading that has started all the way in Genesis and will continue on through the entire Bible. Yeah, just going through it one one full swing, yep. one straight go. Yep, like, which is a pretty cool thing. Yeah. I like it. Um, it kind of gives you that full picture narrative of what's going on in the Word. And um, So, yeah, we've been in Exodus. This week we're in Exodus 8 through 17. Um, but kind of just a recap of where how we got here. Um, so last time when I was on the podcast with Alex, um, which was not as cool of a podcast as it is yeah, this time. Yeah, I mean, there's just something about having all the youth ministers mm-hmm. on a podcast that just, like, yeah. there's more energy, there's just, you know, there's a different vibe. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so last time we had kind of talked about the story of Joseph, and um, so Joseph ended his story as being kind of the right-hand man in Egypt. He was basically the pharaoh except for the pharaoh i mean like he was the only guy that was over joseph at that point um but then joseph dies that pharaoh dies and israel grows and multiplies in the land of egypt to the point that they're seen as a threat yeah god keeps his promise yeah Uh, he uses joseph to keep the nation of israel alive basically through jacob and his brothers coming to egypt and then he keeps his promise and he grows them into basically this great nation yeah. um uh like overnight almost yeah exactly and so the new pharaoh is yeah threatened by this huge population they're like if they continue to rise um in population they're going to overthrow us and we won't be able to control it so he does that thing where he's like you know let's kill all the newborn boys of the israelites um but the Hebrew midwives aren't down with that, and so they, they're not going to let it happen. Um, but the Pharaoh is just bent on wrecking Israel. Um, but one one baby is sent through the river, and um, his name is Moses. And he is eventually basically raised up in prominence in Egypt, and um, God is going to use him to deliver his people out of slavery in Egypt. And so how we see that happen is basically this week is how is God going to deliver his people from Egypt? Yeah, so we saw like a little glimmer of it last week at the very end. Yeah. And now it's just kind of continuing on in the story. So we had, you know, the first plague where God turns the entire river nile into blood yeah which is crazy yeah yeah so one one question that i think i have heard and and had to wrestle with through this um section before and it's a continuous theme is the the whole hardening of the heart of pharaoh Mm -hmm. um yeah there's there's multiple times where you know at the beginning god said like I'll harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will not allow them to go. And then we see this kind of 
oh, it's almost like a mantra at the end of every section. And it's like, and Pharaoh's heart was hard. Um, Pharaoh had um, a hard heart. He hardened his heart and would not listen to them. Um, so yeah, but Pharaoh hardened his heart at this time also and did not let the people go. Um, but then in um, chapter 9, it says, But the Lord hardened the heart of the Pharaoh, mm-hmm. and he did not listen to him as the Lord had spoken to Moses. So, what I mean, what are we to, to make of all that? That seems, it's kind of tough to to wrestle through, like, how, what, yeah, what's going on here, I guess? Yeah, and I think a lot of it, uh, we can point back to some of the promises that God made originally uh, with Abraham, where he said, Uh, hey, those who curse you, I will curse. Mm. And those who bless you, I will bless. Um, And it doesn't necessarily say how God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Hardened Pharaoh's heart. It it says that he did it, uh, but we don't know if that it was through him sending uh, the plague in a certain, in in such a way that, you know, Pharaoh sees it and his pride is hurt a little bit. Um, by the fact that God is, you know, showing him up. Yeah. And then Pharaoh then heart, like has his heart hardened because of that through God's action. Yeah. And then, you know, decides that Israel needs to stay. Yeah, that's true. And it's helpful in Exodus nine thirty four. it says, But when Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunder had ceased. He sinned yet again and hardened his heart, he and his servants. So the heart of of Pharaoh was hardened and he didn't let the people go. So clearly, I mean, whatever is going on, what's not happening is God isn't just taking like an innocent bystander and turning him into an evil, corrupt person. Like, I, I think that's one thing that when people read this, they're like, wow, it seems like God's just like manipulating pharaoh's heart and i I think like that's not what's going on here so i I just yeah i think that's helpful yeah and then also looking back on the chapters before and recognizing too that you don't just get to a point where you are able like your your society you as a people are okay with killing babies Mm -hmm. like you don't just get there without some kind of sinful thinking going on like the he's literally ordered people like midwives and others to kill Israelite baby boys. Yeah. Like to rip these children from their mother's arms and kill them. Yeah. There there's a certain type of evil and a certain thinking that leads to that and it mm-hmm. doesn't happen just by like, hey, you know, I think we sh- I think this is okay. Yeah. It's it's a complete reworking of your thinking to see the Israelites as something other than human. Yeah, I I think that's true, and I think um, that's good to like put that in perspective too. Like that is there are like major atrocities being committed against the Lord's people in this case. Mm-hmm. We've got the basically genocide of the of the children. And we have slavery and, like, servitude in that way, too. Yeah. And so, I mean, like, if you look at any any place where these things are going on, like, you, uh, I think, would hope for, like, justice in, in that way. Yeah. And so I think it's cool because the way that then God goes about his justice um, is is important and good to see because I think, you know, 
Yeah, it's it's. I mean, let's just let's just talk through how he does go about it, rather than um, just saying too much. So, like you said, he turns the water into blood. He sends frogs. He sends gnats and flies, and mm-hmm. um, there the Egyptians' livestock dies. And he starts to make distinguishing, like he distinguishes between Egypt's livestock and Israel's livestock, and Egypt's people and Israel's people. Boils come ac- across the people, um, and then huge hailstones come down, and locusts come along and eat up tons of the um, of the produce, and then darkness covers the land, and then that's where we get up to Passover. Um, what do you like as you're going through those chapters of kind of judgment after judgment? What What's going through your mind? What do you? What kind of sticks out to you in these sections of plagues and judgment? <laughs> I mean, again and again, seeing Pharaoh kind of repent, kind of. Yeah. He's like, "Oh, I've sinned. Please, you know, go talk to God for me." And then, as soon as everything's cool again, he's just like, "Nah, I got this." Yeah. Um, and I think kind of of myself in that. Or there have been times where I've been caught in sin and I've just, like, you know, you say, hey, you know, God, forgive me of the sin. Like, take it away from me. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as things are good again, you're just like, I got this. Yeah. Like, I'm I'm totally cool. So in some ways, I look at it that way. Uh, but then just even to see the power of God and him uh, keeping his promise that he made so long ago like hundreds and hundreds of years ago that, you know, those that bless you, I will bless those that curse you. I will curse. Mm-hmm. Like he is showing that he is a God of his word, that he is good um, by protecting and, and bringing justice upon the Egyptians yeah. and say, you know, taking care of his people. And he's yeah making that distinction that, Hey, these are my people. You like you came against them. Yeah, that's that's really good. One thing that I think is helpful too, and I was um, kind of reading through and thinking over this um, when I noticed in Exodus twelve, mm-hmm. um, verse twelve, it says, uh, "This is when the Lord's telling him, telling Moses what's going to happen at Passover, and He says, "For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast." And on all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. Mm. I am the Lord. I I thought that was really interesting and really helpful that he's he's showing, like, this isn't just me, like, dealing with corrupt human rulers. Like, mm-hmm. God makes himself clear. He's like, I'm not just doing this because there's bad humans going on. Like, I'm actually executing judgment upon the gods of Egypt, upon where they're turning to find their hope, to find their strength, to find their power. And I think that's one thing that then when we take that, we look back at the way in which God does bring about his judgment. Um, What we're seeing is the good creation that God has set and ordered being thrown into chaos in one way or another, right? And so I think it's proving like... God, like he said in Genesis, he set creation in order. He's the one who fills it and creates Mm -hmm. its goodness. Mm -hmm. And 
he is the one that has the power and the control over order and life in in the world. And so if you're going to turn to other gods, you're turning away from the God who brings order and life into the world. And so these are like the natural ramifications of what happens. And and it's almost like an uncreation, like a decreation judgment um, saying like, all right, if you're going to turn from the God of creation, then decreation, chaos and destruction is that that's what is the natural end. And so he says, like, I'm going to execute judgment on the gods of Egypt and I'm going to multiply my wonders so that Israel will know that I am their God and so that the Egyptians will see. And then later on, he says, like, so that the Canaanites will know so that, you know, the Amorites will know. And so it's like not only. um, Yeah, this is in verse uh, chapter 14. Um, verse four, and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts and all the Egyptians shall know that I am Lord. And they did so. So I just think that's cool. Like God is saying like, look, the Egyptians have spent their whole time following these other gods, pursuing their own ends, but I'm not going to just rescue my people out of Israel for the sake of their own rescuing. I'm going to do it to multiply my wonders so that you know I'm the true God over creation so that they know I'm the true God over creation because they've been serving all these other gods. They've been looking to, you know, a God of the sun and a God of the rain and a God of the produce and a God of the Nile River and all those things. But what I'm going to show is that I'm actually the one who has the power and and lords over those things. Yeah. So that's what I notice when, when I see that. Anything else on that section? Uh, I mean, when when you're talking about the, uh, like, God saying He's going to execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt, I'm I'm even kind of wondering if the worship of those gods mm-hmm. had uh, maybe some uh, something to do with just the discrimination and the oppression of the Israelites as well. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I think, you know, they're the gods of Egypt are for Egypt, you know? mm -hmm. And I think that's one thing that's really interesting and beautiful about um, the God of Israel is, yes, he's for Israel, but we've seen from the beginning that he's for all of creation, that he's for the nations too, you know? Yeah, um, and being so, like, "Hey, yeah. those that bless you, I'm gonna bless them." Yeah, exactly. And so we even we even see this um, kind of take place when um, when the people are leaving. So this is uh, Exodus twelve verses mm-hmm. thirty seven and thirty eight. It says, "So they the uh, um, final plague rolls through." And then um, the people are leaving. And it says, And the people of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Succoth, about 600,000 men on foot besides women and children. A mixed multitude also went up with them, with very much livestock, both flocks and herds. So all the people of Israel and a mixed multitude, which is kind of interesting. One of the commentators that I've read about that is saying, like, this is actually indicating that some of the people in the land of Egypt recognized. And they were like, this is the God of Israel we're going with, which I think is pretty cool. Um, I don't know. That's kind of a beautiful thing. And, you know, 
God had told Abraham that you're going to be a father of many nations. That was one of the blessings and the promises that he had given to him. And we see that being fulfilled um, in this chapter, which is cool. Well, even Caleb, uh, who wasn't originally a Israelite, he was a Canaanite. Yeah. Um, and he was welcomed kind of into the family. So he's part of this mixed crowd that goes with Israel. Um, you know, he, was, he, he wasn't originally an Israelite, but he was welcomed and, like, grafted into mm-hmm. the tribe of Judah. Yeah, and so we get this decreation, we get this um, judgment that's happening, and then they, the people get to the Red Sea in um, chapter 14, and God makes a way, he parts the sea and allows them to walk through on dry land. Mm-hmm. And so going back to like the decreation versus, um, you know, the creation, the goodness and the order that God brings forth, I think this is a picture that's helpful for us when we are talking about like how does how does God provide for his people how does he uh, you know make way for them and so one thing that we see is like this chaotic crazy decreation of a godless nation is depicted in this moment as like waters that God then makes a way through and allows his people to walk through. And so I think that's something that the like the Israelites later on, they come back to this Exodus story over and over again mm-hmm. as a way to understand and a way to have hope in what's going on because time and time after again, again, the Israelites just like we do look around and they see a nation that's in chaos, mm-hmm. a nation that's in turmoil. And yet they say God then provided dry land for us to walk out on yeah. and we believe he'll do it again um and so that's that's one place that i see um jesus kind of pop out of the text so where are some of the other places in this text where you really see jesus as the fulfillment or as you know just kind of where is where is the good news of jesus in this text he's told us time and time again all the law of Moses, the Torah, it's all pointing to me. It's all about me. Where do you see that here in this section? Um, I mean, honestly, I love just the poem um, in chapter 15, Israel's song, uh, just talking about you know, them singing to the Lord uh, and exalting him just again and again above everyone else and uh, I mean, we even talked about it yesterday, and it says, you know, just kind of throughout these chapters that uh, God was doing all of this. He hardened Pharaoh's heart. He saved Israel and rescued Israel for the glory of his name. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we see the gospel uh, in Jesus in this, and that God sent Jesus as the fulfillment of these promises that he made so and so many years ago um, in an effort to, one, for his name's sake, so that people would not, you know, see God or, or hear the name of God and be like, oh, he's a liar. He didn't keep his promises. Uh, but so they, they would hear the name of God and be like, oh, man, he's the God that rescued Israel and, like, kept his word. He's the God, uh, you know, that made all these promises. And so you see 
them, you know, glorifying God after they've been rescued. You see then so so many years later them continuing to celebrate the Sabbath and remember and bring uh, and glorify God. And then you see Jesus as the ultimate, like God bringing glory to himself through Jesus, through using Jesus, part of himself to save us. Yeah. And so the gospel is is not just about us and our sin. That's, you know, a small part of it. But the real good news of the gospel is that God has been glorified and we get to be part of his glory. We get to be part of his kingdom. Yeah. Yeah, that's totally good. Um, and, And a cool part about that is later on when we get into Jericho, the story of Jericho, Rahab helps out the um, spies that are sent into the land. And basically when the spies ask Rahab, why are you helping us? Mm-hmm. This is the story that she goes to. She's like, I heard about what happened in Egypt, yeah. and I know that your God is stronger than ours, and so I trust him. And so that is cool. You see his glory extend out into the nations because of what he's done um, here in Egypt. That's really good, man. Um, one section that sticks out to me is Exodus 12. Um, So this is verse 21. Then Moses called the elders of Israel and said to them, Go and select lambs for yourselves according to your clans and kill the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that's in the basin and touch the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood um, that is in the basin. Um, And then the Lord will pass through when he sees the blood and will not allow the destroyer to enter your house to strike you. So... Obviously, some just like clear parallels to Jesus. Yeah, John exactly. points at him and is like, this is the lamb that's slain, you know. And then you see when Jesus is on the cross, uh, a hyssop is dipped and given to him, you yeah. know, on the cross. And so it's clearly this connection moment between um, the exodus and the crucifixion. And I think that this is, or the Passover specifically in the crucifixion, but you know, Alex just last week preached about how knowing the word, knowing history, knowing scripture helps us see the beauty of Christ. And I think this is one of those places where it's like what Christ is doing on the cross, we can kind of get it. But then when we put it back into this context and say what the Israelites were feeling, what they were experiencing Mm. is fulfilled in Christ. And we, we experience the same sort of thing, but on a spiritually like heightened level um i think that's really helpful and how it just shows how this the israelites here they're saved by by grace of god through faith like it really makes no sense like god god just provides this this plan he's like hey just kill the lamb put the blood on the door and you won't die yeah and that's a plan of salvation given to god by total grace but it takes faith like if God would just like wipe blood on the door and you'll live. That that's kind of like a crazy thing to believe in. Yeah. But then when we then import that, like I said, to Jesus' story, that that's the same thing for us. It's like this guy died on the cross and now I'm saved from the destroyer of like that. I don't know. That mm-hmm. but it's just it shows again how it's just it's always been you're saved by the grace of God who provides a way for salvation through faith and that and that's it. So I think that's cool, too. Yeah. I think my favorite random moment of this, like, whole thing is, uh, yeah, again, in chapter 15, where it's, like, all the chariots and horsemen and everything have been, like, drowned in the sea. Mm -hmm. 
And is, uh, then the prophetess uh, Miriam, Arian's sister, took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women came out following her with tambourines and dancing uh, and singing. Yeah. And, like, they all, like, came, like, I'm just picturing them all coming out with their, like, tambourines and everything to the water's edge. And then they're, and they're just, like, banging those things and, like, don't, like dancing around, jumping around, like, having yeah. a great time, like, celebrating yeah. as, like, all of, you know, Pharaoh's army is, like, drowning yeah. in this water. Like, that's just a interesting scene it for me. It is an interesting scene. Um, but But, again, I think it is, like, it shows... That when God does something great for his people, his people respond and, and rejoice. And I think that's something that's good for us, too. That, like, when we see God demonstrate his goodness, God demonstrate his wonder. Like, in that song, in verse 11, who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Like, mm-hmm. fi- the Israelites get it. They're finally like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, Egypt, their gods are, who could possibly be like the Lord, our mm-hmm. God, you know? And so, you know, yeah, I don't know. I just think that's that's good. Like, when we see our God be great and put that on display, like, we rejoice. Yeah. And I just think that's good. Yeah. And then we go to chapter 16, yeah. and we see Israel just starts complaining. Yeah. <laughs> all over the place. Like, oh, we don't have water. We don't have food. And you know, God provides... Uh, again, showing his glory, showing that, you know, these are his mm-hmm. people. And uh, you know, then they keep going, they keep moving on uh, in the wilderness. And, uh, yeah, then we have this attack by the Amalekites. Mm-hmm. And so the Am- Amalekites come out, Joshua goes out with his men, starts fighting them. Moses is like sitting there on this hill next to them as they're fighting and he's like lifting up his arms. He's an old guy at this point, yeah. you know, he's lifting up his hands and they're getting tired. And as soon as he lets his hands down, Israel starts losing. And, but as soon as he lifts his hands up, Israel's winning again. Yeah. And like, that's just kind of an interesting yeah, what do you think is going Probably. on in that story? It is a strange story. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of cool. It is kind of cool. Like, I wish I could, you know, he lifts his yeah. hands up to the Lord. The Huskers are winning. <laughs> <laughs> Put some down, the Huskers are losing. We need to get our hands up, people. <laughs> Cheer yeah. on. Cheer I, I think it is, yeah, it is cool. One One thing that you see, like, consistently in this story and through the whole scripture is how they're like, by the mighty hand of the Lord, like, mm-hmm. you know, God has done this for his people. And um, in this, there's multiple times where um, God in this story gives Moses kind of his authority to yeah. be the one who is, he. you know, at earlier he's like, I will make you God to Pharaoh. Like, I basically, you're my ambassador. You're yeah. my representative before him. And so I think that that's something that we... I don't think that we take all that seriously very often. Mm-hmm. Like what this story shows me is like God does use his people in yeah. like really tangible ways to be his ambassadors mm-hmm. here exactly. on earth. Um, so yeah, that's cool. The other thing I noticed from these last two chapters is how 
God provides bread in the wilderness, but they have to like rely and faith and trust God. Yeah. And then he provides water in the wilderness, but same way. We've got to rely on God and trust him for his provision. Yeah. And Again, he's, he's saying, hey, you need to follow my instructions. Yeah. You need to, like, and they're not hard instructions. Mm-hmm. Um, and they they have trouble at first following them. They have trouble. They're like, oh, no, we need to gather more or we're not going to gather today. Mm-hmm. And God says, no, no, like, I will provide. Yeah. Trust me. Rely on me. And I, you know, he's, he's shown already that he will be faithful to them. Yeah. He's shown already that he will hear their cries. Uh, and, you know, they're a, a stiff-necked people, yeah. as he goes on to say. But, um, you know, yeah, he's not just giving, like, here's some bread, here's some manna, go crazy. Yeah. You know, go gorge yourself. But um, he's kind of instituting some discipline into the way that they're going about things. Yeah. And as we're, as a high school going through John, I see like just huge parallels between Jesus' claims of who he is. He says, Mm -hmm. I'm the bread of life. I'm the living water that like I give you living water. Mm -hmm. And so again, to see like, to take these stories of what Jesus is kind of referencing to, but also fulfilling and to put them back into here is really cool. Like they, they had to rely on in faith that God was just going to give them bread to eat. Like that was the only way that they were going to live was if God provided for them and he does, Mm -hmm. but he called them to do it in faith and in a way that's tough. That's not just like, Oh, I'm going to give you a, a, just gorge yourself on all the food that you could possibly want. No, God says like, Rely on me and I'll give you enough. And then the same thing mm-hmm. with the water. And so I think that's, yeah, it's again a, a pointer to us for Christ. Like, do we really feel that way that the Israelites feel? Like, yeah. do we really come to Jesus saying, like, I believe that you are the bread of life. So I'm going to come to you expecting you to fill me, but not just like for my fill, but to like have faith that you are yeah. the provider, that I'm looking to you to be the one who provides bread of life, mm-hmm. living water in my life. Yeah. Um, and and not yeah. just even trusting him, but to, like, submit to yeah. his authority. Yeah. Um, you know, he, know, like, putting him above, his authority above anyone else's. Yep. Like, okay, God said to do it this way. I, I'm going to do it his way. Yeah. I'm going to submit myself to his authority. Um, and I'm going to follow him. Yeah. And so looking at our own lives and, you know, how are we submitting to God's authority mm-hmm. and, and, you know, what areas of our life are we not? Yeah. What areas have we kind of kept for ourselves and, and said, no, this is, this is my area of expertise, God. I got this. Yeah. 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 Interesting that when we do submit, when we do obey that, Jesus will be the bread of life that he mm-hmm. says he is, that he will provide the living water. And that, um, yeah, is not, again, just for us to be, like, happy, but it's, the whole, like like we said this whole time, it's the glory of God, like yeah. extending and, and showing the glory of God to the nations. Um, so, yeah, I think that's really good. Mm-hmm. Sweet, David. This is fun. Yeah. Thanks, bro. This is great. It's David and Hayden. Read the Bible. Tune in next week. Yeah.